as a chef, if you're not on board with plant-based options and it's the same thing as gluten-free options, you've missed the train. It's time to catch up because it is where we're at with food and there's no turning back and the demand is there, the need is there. I look at that as being the same thing with the growth of plant-based as a whole within the retail sector. Like if you're a retailer and you're not carrying those products, the consumer wants them, want them. And there's been spikes in these product sales and some of them doing better than the real items that are on the shelf. That was plant-based foods pioneer Chad Sarno speaking about the inexorable trend of plant-based eating. Plant-based foods and eating trends, opportunities, and their future and how you might capitalize on those will again be our focus on this episode of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, Several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hello, Looking Forward listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Today on Looking Forward, we're again going to focus on the plant-based foods and eating trend. In part one of this two-part series, episode number 83, we looked at what plant-based eating is all about and how the development of plant-based foods and eating has evolved over the past few decades in the United States and in other parts of the world. We also heard about some of the companies who have gotten involved in this trend. Here in part two, episode number 84, we'll take a look at how COVID-19 has affected the plant-based foods and eating trend, what the future may have in store for this trend, and what opportunities that might offer to you our Looking Forward listeners. We'll also get some great tips from our guest expert on plant-based foods dining and shopping. To help us with all this, we're again going to speak with Chad Sarno. A longtime pioneer of plant-based foods, Chad Sarno is the co-founder and chief culinary officer of Gathered Foods, makers of the disruptive plant-based seafood brand Good Catch. Chad is also a co-founder of Wicked Healthy and the Wicked Food brands with over 100 branded products in stores in the United Kingdom and now available in the United States market nationally in Sprouts and Kroger. Chad has launched restaurants in Istanbul, Munich, London and Belgrade, served as VP of plant-based education at Ruby Cooking School and was the global wellness coordinator media spokesperson, and R&D chef for Whole Foods Market's focus on plant-based diets. Chad is co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Crazy Sexy Kitchen, The Wicked Healthy Cookbook, and The Whole Foods Cookbook. Chad, I had a guest on. She's an expert. She was talking about, among other things, the Mediterranean diet. We hear a lot of good things about the Mediterranean diet. I'm wondering how you think a plant-based diet, a healthy plant-based diet, compares Mm -hmm. to a Mediterranean diet, which, of course, is consumed by a lot of people who are of your lineage, right? Mm -hmm. These people Mm -hmm. in Sardinia and all these other places in Italy who eat that Mediterranean diet. Yeah, I would say, I mean, Mediterranean, I'm glad that you didn't ask about others, paleo and 
you know, as such, because, you know, Mediterranean diet is not a meat centric diet. Mediterranean diet is a plant centered diet. I mean, if you look at whole grains and beans and, and, uh, you know, even still having pastas and starches and tons of colorful vegetables and olive oil and tons of fruits and grains and, you know, nuts and seeds, it's a clean diet. You know, it is a very clean diet and it's still 90% plant-based. You know, you look at something like, uh, there's so many trends every year. It's a different trend. It's some other industry that's pushing their own diet. The thing is with the industry of plant-based, the lentil board is not paying me money to talk about beans. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like there's no money in the lentil society and the right. lentil association or beans association, but the meat industry is extremely powerful. The meat industry, the dairy industry, the tobacco industry, the alcohol industry, it's all the same, you know, and they're all pushing with lobbyists on certain diets, a new diet. If cheese sales and dairy sales are plummeting, there's going to be a diet next year that focuses on dairy because it's subsidized heavily with policymakers around that as well. So it's, uh, you know, the, the one comment around that one diets is eating plants. It's, it's just common sense. You know, at the end of the day, you can get so much. I'm not a dietitian. I am a chef, so I need to stay in my lane fully clear of that. Yeah. But eating an array of colorful fruits and vegetables and grains, nuts, seeds, beans. And if you're going to pepper in some animal products in there, go for it. That's a great diet. I think highly of the Mediterranean diet with the exception of the animal product parts. Yeah. I'm now going to make a quick comment based on something you said earlier that fits in with this. I, last night, for the first time in a few weeks, which is very unusual for me, this is the evolution, I had chicken parmesan and I felt a little uneasy about it. You remember you said that people, they feel a little mm -hmm. guilty. But what you're saying is it's still okay to have a little bit of that stuff if you surround it with the good, healthy stuff, which I did. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's eating as many plants as you can. I mean, one thing that we pushed at Whole Foods Market, when I was there, we pushed a program called Health Starts Here, which was all about focused on whole food. And if you're eating a diet of minimal processed, high fruits, vegetable diet, and you're using looking at animal products as a condiment, so be it. That's going to be far better than the standard American diet. My role, my job, and my mission is to push plants as the center of the plate. People want to surround it with whatever they want, go for it, but we make the meals substantial enough, filling enough, and tasty enough to show people that you don't need to reach for animal products to be yeah. satisfied after a meal. That makes sense, and it also sounds more doable. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. I think what's critical, Jeff, is doing one thing a day. You know, I mean, a lot of people look at you need to do this or that. You need to do all or nothing. And it's not true. Like it's, it's doing one thing a day. Choose one thing that's going to do better for you. Start eating a salad once a day. <laughs> you know, yes. if that's that one thing, great, get that down and then move on to the next one thing. I think everybody's on their journey, quote unquote, is kind of an excuse that a lot of people use, but you're on your journey if you're doing, if you're making changes. If you're making conscious changes, then yes, you are on your own personal journey. But if you're just stuck in your own personal ways and saying you're on a journey, I think it's just an excuse. But I, I think, you know, doing that one thing, whether it's, you know, buying whole grains, whether it's cooking at home the majority of the week and going out on a rare occasion, you know, because the beauty of restaurants and the, the skills of a chef is also to hide that fat and salt and sugar in there. So you come <laughs> back and eat more, right? So right. you can control all that when you're cooking yourself. Doing that one thing and having a goal is important, especially if that driver is health, then that one thing has to speed up to multiple things. So, 
Yes, it's a practical way of managing it. It's a small change at a time. Now we're going to move to present day. Speaking of things evolving, COVID-19, we know that it's had a dramatic impact on most of our lives. This is almost a matter where we live. And I'm curious if you could give us, Chad, one or more examples of how you think it is affecting the business community in terms of plant-based food production or the consumption by the consumer of plant-based foods. Is there any correlation between COVID and what's going on with consumers and their eating of plant-based foods and also the manufacturers and the retailers? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because it has affected the food industry as a whole. Restaurants, I have friends that have multiple restaurants and they've just gone through the ringer. They've had to be very creative with bringing in other streams of revenue, whether it's delivery or meal kits or whatever it is. So from a restaurant restaurant perspective, it doesn't matter what kind of food you've served, they've been hit hard, you know, um, and I feel for everybody in that industry. But from a consumer packaged goods perspective, there has been some challenges when it comes to consumer adoption around new categories, you know, new products, new categories. So plant-based seafood is new. It's a new category. People need to taste it and to believe it. Because when you think about plant-based seafood, most people's minds go to the negative attributes of seafood, especially if you don't like seafood, they think of the smell. And they're like, what plant smells bad like that? <laughs> and so they make this negative connection. And so one of the ways that we've been able to really build that brand awareness is through experience. And so we curate all the tastings for our investors, for our sales partners, for our brokers and for events. But, you know, we used to be able to do sampling in store and that really affected us not being able to do that. Sure. So, so that's now starting back up again based on certain protocols. And so that is giving a lift pretty clear of the lift that it's giving. So the challenge I would say would be consumer adoption to around brand awareness. Supply chain has been an incredible challenge with both companies, Wicked and Good Catch. Everything from, you know, the plastic lining on a tray from Wicked, um, if we wanted to change the size of a tray, that's a microwavable tray, that's still, you know, recyclable and all that. But a microwavable tray, if we want to change the lining, it's like a nine month waiting list, you know, to get even that product to get manufactured on that tray itself. So the, the strangest little things, you know, um, it's the same. Thing around certain ingredients that we use within Good Catch. I mean, the supply chains are so backed up. I just flew in from LA last night back to Austin where I live and the port of LA is, I have never seen it so insane. I mean, there's 30 to 40 huge like container carriers, ships just sitting in the port, wow. you know? So that, that's where most of people's stuff is. It's a new world we're living in. But I do think in terms of plant-based as a whole, I think it has grown exponentially because people are taking their health a little bit more seriously. People are trying new things also. People are cooking more at home. So it's affected the industry in many different ways. You know, restaurants, obviously, uh, supply chain to companies. But there's been, I think, a huge growth within plant-based because of that connection with food and milk. Yeah, and I would just ask you to add a little bit more about this particular aspect. You touched on it there, Chad, and that is one of the trends that's out there that we've covered on Looking Forward is clearly more people working from home. I had a guest on who talked about just in the United States, there's a prediction that by 2025, 36 million people will be working from home. Has that benefited the plant-based alternative? I mean, in, in a way of people cooking more at home, I think it has. I think restaurants have been hit, but fast food restaurants have increased, I would say. And I'd love to look at the data on that. 
and see if my assumption is correct there, but because of convenience, because people are just going through drive-thrus um, and people that don't want to put in the time and effort to cook. With plant-based, especially the convenient meals that are heat and serve or, um, you know, w- with Good Catch, we have a whole line of products that are just, you know, throw in the oven or throw in a saute pan, the appetizers, the entrees, burgers, and crab cakes and things like that, that are certainly increased because people are cooking more and people are looking for those quick solutions for their families. Most of my Zoom call, I mean, not all of them, but I have kids and I'll have a kid on my lap during a Zoom call a lot of times, <laughs> present one's not out here with me right now, but it's... Uh, I think I think it's certainly grown the awareness because people are also at home, you know, with information at their fingertips, always online. If COVID was not here, I'm on the road a lot. I'm traveling a lot. I'm not always online. And now I'm online. I think we all have a level of ADD. And so I'll go surf on the internet for a minute in between meetings or whatever. The information's there. Yes. The heart of looking forward is <laughs> about looking forward, right? Mm-hmm. So we look into the future. And we want to see where things might go. And we're going to ask you, Chad, to predict what changes or trends you think we'll see in the world of plant-based eating over the next several years, the 20s, both from the perspective of the businesses, whether they be manufacturers or retailers, distributors, and from the perspective of the consumers of food. Yeah, I think we don't have a choice, but for it to be looked at as the future of food and where our food supply needs to go, I think that the time is ticking when it comes to environmental impact of the choices that we make around diet. So I would hope and I pray every day that we're on that right path and there's growing awareness around minimized animal consumption, you know, and minimizing the destruction around our oceans through based on commercial factory fisheries in the oceans and we need to wake up a little bit. And I think diet's the easiest way. It's a, we make a choice three times a day to, to make an impact and you can choose compassion or not each meal. So I think from an environmental standpoint, I think it needs to go in that direction. I've also been in this for a while though, but I think it is growing and it is growing at a, at a very fast rate in terms of growing awareness, whether it's investment, manufacturing, consumer demand, health and food connection. I think it's growing at an incredible rate. Vegan, I would say is... A couple of years ago, I would say even five years ago, well, we've been in COVID for two, I guess. So um, yeah. seven years ago, seven, seven eight years, years ago, yeah. you know, I would say that it was certainly looked at as, as a growing trend. But now I think we're getting out of that. You know, it's not a trend, especially when investors are coming in, especially when the, the industry that you've been fighting up against is now on board. So I, I would see it as it's just another option for food. More and more restaurants are carrying it. I did an event with a culinary school recently and was speaking to chefs and a similar question came in. And as a chef, if you're not on board with plant-based options and it's the same thing as gluten-free options, you've missed the train. It's time to catch up because it is where we're at with food and there's no turning back and the demand is there, the need is there. I look at that as being the same thing with the growth of plant-based as a whole within the retail sector. Like if you're a retailer and you're not carrying those products, the consumer wants them, want them. And there's been spikes in these product sales and some of them doing better than the real items that are on the shelf, the original item. You look at the growth of the non-dairy segment is something crazy, like 30 or 40% of the market share is insane in terms of non-dairy consumption. That right there changes industries. And we're seeing that with plant-based in general, um, it hasn't even touched close to changing the meat industry, but the more options, the more demand that we have, and the more connection that people are making to the environmental impact of their daily choices, I think it'll uh, will continue to grow. So if I could summarize this, you're <laughs> seeing 
continued production of plant-based alternatives. Mm -hmm. You're seeing perhaps more manufacturers of the products, more retailers and more options out there for the consumers and more eating of those foods by consumers, not just in the United States, but elsewhere. Is that a correct summary? 100%. Yes, 100% correct. Okay. When you talk about this, Chad, this reminds me so much of a few industries, but the only one I'm going to mention now is the electric car industry. It's mm -hmm. like, if you're not on that train, because we know that's where we're going, right? As Wayne Gretzky said, you skate to where the puck is going, right? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. that's where the puck is going with electric vehicles. <laughs> we can see that. And you're in an analogous industry talking about those same kind of changes. Now, yeah. you alluded to a key word here on Looking Forward when we start talking about opportunities. We know a lot of people lost their jobs due to COVID. A lot of people are quitting jobs. A lot of people have this new revelation that maybe I should be doing something else with my life. It might be compassion related, as you spoke of, or something else. We have students going to college and getting out of college, trying to figure out what they should do with the rest of their lives. We have entrepreneurs like you who are starting businesses. And the key word you used, Chad, was investors. We have investors looking for opportunities. So I gave you a disparate group of people there. Could you give us some specific opportunities for some of those kinds of individuals? Where do you see opportunities? What would you tell people just like Dustin Hoffman was told years ago in The Graduate, plastics. Where do you think there's going to be opportunities for people? I think plant-based protein. Plant-based protein is a massive opportunity. It's only growing. That's what a lot of these these uh, fast food restaurants and you know these global chains and also um, animal ag companies are investing in. They're investing in these plant-based proteins. So there's a there's an amazing organization called the Good Food Institute. It's called GFI.org mm. um, for your listeners to go check out. They have all this incredible data that they've pulled and they've collected. They're a team of folks that work with policy um, and also, you know, folks that scientists on staff that that collect the data, that speak to this, that are experts within the industry. They work with a lot of the sort of data collection companies, SPINs, which is they collect data of retailers and all that, what products are moving, uh, what products are not, you know, on a national scale. So that they're a great resource to check out and to get some actual facts from there. But plant-based protein is where that puck is at. You know, it's right where that puck is going, you know, and use that great quote from Gretzky. And it's plant-based in general. You know, plant-based proteins are very hot right now. I would say certainly more alternatives, more culinary forward products. Uh, more convenience type of foods that are healthy for you, but center of the plate. You know, even though there's been so much job loss and even though people are working from home, it seems like everybody has also gotten busier. I don't know if you feel this, but oh, yeah. it's even people I know that are struggling for work. I mean, life is just busier. It's different. You know, we have, we have to adjust and people are looking for those convenience foods and how, how they can uh, feed their families you know, affordable plant-based convenience foods that are healthy for you and your family are, I would say, also where the puck is going. I was just going to say, if you could drill down a little further on that, I'm a student or I'm just finishing college. Where do you tell me to take this? Like, what should I be majoring in? Where should I go to work if I want to skate to where that puck is going? Where do I go? 
I think the food industry is drastically changing in general. That's the theme here. I think it's changing for the good and food science is massive. Food science, culinary arts. I mean, I'm working with a couple large national culinary schools that are now adding plant-based curriculum on a deeper level. They're looking at infusing it into all of their classes and not, you know, in the days of teaching old school Escoffier cooking methods of these mother sauces that are cream-based and this and that. They're now teaching, you know, non-dairy alternatives to these mother sauces that have been taught for hundreds of years. So I would just say that depending on who I'm speaking to, but as a culinary student, if you're a culinary student, the direction to go is to plant-based. That classic technique, that classic cooking, yes, it's foundational cooking methods, incredibly important, but the food industry is going plant-based. It's not going to go as a whole, obviously, but understanding the functionality of certain vegetables and plant proteins from a functional standpoint, food science standpoint, food tech standpoint, I would say is, is critical knowledge to have for someone that wants to get into that space. And would you see this as an opportunity for people in anything, Chad, from manufacturing of food to distribution of food to retailing of food to nutritionists to medicine? Do you see all of those areas as tying into this and creating opportunities? I do. Yeah, I, I certainly do. I mean, and there's the food justice piece also, which is massive. Plant-based for a long time also was looked at as this elitist way of eating because you go to a lot of these plant-based restaurants, they're expensive, their products are sold at premium in the store. Perfect example is you walk into Starbucks and if you want something with oat milk or soy milk, they charge you 75 cents, which is ridiculous, yeah. right? The juice of an almond is more expensive than milk produced for a baby yes. or a baby cow. So it, it just doesn't make sense, right? So it, it's been looked at as a sort of elitist approach to food. And we have this opportunity, we have an option, you know, and I don't take that for granted that we are very privileged. I'm very privileged. I can speak for myself around having options. You know, not everybody in the world has options. But if you look at some of the oldest diets globally, they are plant-based. You know, they focus on grains, beans, starches, vegetables, you know, nuts, seeds, all of that is the core to all of these old cultural diets. We're also privileged in the fact that we have the opportunity to eat processed whenever the heck we want, and some people don't have that opportunity. So we're kind of working backwards and having to recondition ourselves a little bit here. You know, the peasant diet back in the day was plant-based because you only ate animal products when you had the money to do so. And so having that opportunity to make choice, that opportunity of choice is massive, right? I would say also where the puck is going is around food justice and, and working around those sort of food deserts within just in our country alone in the U.S., there's inner cities that don't have access to fresh food. Going in that direction and being able to approach those communities and, and bring these healthy solutions and going into these communities to listen to see what they need from a food justice point of view and food distribution point of view, I think is also maybe not where the puck is going, but what is certainly in the big conversation right now and where it needs to go. I think there's a need there too. Chad, I have to say, those last points really resonated with me. The concept of food justice, this notion of, yeah, plant-based has kind of had an elitist notion to it. And part of it is because of the pricing, not just the availability, but the pricing. You got to pay more to get a lot of this stuff. And I certainly would like to see that leveled out so that it's fairer for people. Thanks for sharing that. 
One last thing I'd like you to comment on before we tell people how to find out more about you and your companies. What I'd like to do is tap into the expertise of our guests. Given the fact that you're a strong proponent of a plant-based diet and you're involved in businesses that focus on that, what are some things, Chad, that you would advise our listeners to do when it comes to choosing the plant-based foods they eat, whether they're eating them at home or at restaurants? What are some tips for us? The majority of restaurants, even if they don't have a designated plant-based item on the menu, will always put together a dish that is plant-based. So mm. um, understanding how to shop in the retailer is critical, but also understanding how to dine. I lean towards cultural cuisine a lot when I travel, even when I'm in a place that doesn't have something on a plant-based menu, I'll lean towards Indian and Thai and more of the Asian influence. If you go into Italian restaurants, just, you know, they're, most of the dry pasta is made without egg. Fresh pasta would be, but dry pasta, you can always get a dry pasta with the vegetable oil and all of that, right? But understanding how to order when it comes to restaurants is critical, but also understanding how to shop. We shop the perimeter of the store mostly start with the perimeter and then go in in the center of the store to get those more processed plant-based meats or freezer aisle for those other items but like shopping the perimeter of produce the produce the bulk bins all of that is critical also as i mentioned in the, in the beginning jeff i think it's so important to just understand basics of cooking and leaning into that. You know, there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, we're, we're at home more than ever these days. So cooking a little bit more and, and uh, understanding those basics definitely helps people and empowers people to make those change. Did I answer your question? You did. <laughs> but one more thing that you could say here, there are some competitors out there in the industry producing these plant-based food products that are purportedly healthy. And you're mentioning some of the big guns are coming out there and they're doing it too because it's a trend, a big trend now. And there's going to be more of these based on what you said, more of these options for people, more companies producing more products. I'm shopping for this stuff in the store. How do I know? Do I buy the, of course you would say I would buy the Wicked Foods product. What do I use as my barometer to know as a consumer, yeah, these ingredients look a little better or what could you tell me? Yeah, you know, we talked about a little bit of everybody has their different levers uh, of what's driving them to make those changes. Uh, whether it's health, whether it's environmental, whether it's just wanting to diversify their protein source. Plant-based protein, even if it's technically processed, so is pasta, so is cereal. You know, I think a lot of people use that comparison of like, why am I going to switch over from meat to processed plant-based meat? And if you then stop eating pasta, stop eating cereals, stop eating crackers, you know, all of these items are processed. They're all extruded. They're all extruded based on flours that are put in the extruder, depending on the moisture level that's added is what's going to make it a meat or a cracker yeah, <laughs> at exactly. the end of the day yeah. and, and the ingredients that are going in it. Yeah. So I would say that if you look at the growing consumer, Jeff, no matter what their levers are to why they're shopping the way they are, over 50%, it's like 48%, might be even more now, in the U.S. are actively seeking protein alternatives. That doesn't mean that they're vegan shoppers or vegetarian shoppers. That means that they are the flexitarian shopper. I can't stand that word, but the flexitarian <laughs> shopper of the one that is shopping in the meat aisle and sees a plant-based option, they're going to pick it up and buy it because they want more plant-based options for their family. 
if you look in the in the uk it's over 70 percent of the shoppers in the uk are actively seeking protein alternatives whatever their levers may be health environmental just wanting to make a better choice there's that growing need so if somebody is that concerned about ingredients then they should stick to a whole foods plant-based diet if you're looking to make those changes there is not a, a doubt in my mind that any of the vegan processed meats out there are far better than having a piece of red meat in terms of your health because they're cholesterol free the environmental impact is a lot less for most of them and also you're going to feel a lot better very well put i just want to add to that for the first time ever i haven't had it yet but for the first time ever i actually purchased veggie meatballs <laughs> veggie meatballs there's, they're a good. Trend. there's some good ones i'm telling you there's some good ones that are out there Chad, this has been wonderful. How can our listeners find out more about you, your brother, Derek, about Wicked Kitchen, about Good Catch, and anything else you want them to know about? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's been a great conversation. You can look at wickedkitchen.com as our website there for information and for videos and recipes. You can go to wickedhealthyfood.com. We have a YouTube channel that is Wicked Kitchen. You can check us out. We have dozens upon dozens of videos up there that are cooking videos. And so you can check out also in Sprouts and Kroger nationally, we have our Wicked Kitchen. For Good Catch, it's goodcatchfoods.com and also is available in most retailers in the frozen section, frozen seafood section. You can find us plant-based seafood. So most of the retailers, let's just talk about the United States right now, they might be offering good catch. Correct. Whether it's our shelf-stable product or our frozen line on the East Coast, West Coast, is a number of independents and larger chains within uh, Middle America as well. Fantastic. Chad, this has been fascinating. Loved having you as a guest, and thank you so much for being on Looking Forward. I appreciate you having me, Jeff. My pleasure. This concludes part two of our two-part series on plant-based foods and eating trends, opportunities, and the future with our guest expert, Chad Sarno. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Chad or me, please contact me at my website, www.jeff-ostroff.com. And if you like this episode, I'd really appreciate your liking it or giving it a positive review on the podcast hosting site where you listen to it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.